Thank you very much. Good to be back with you. Turn, if you would, please, to 1 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians chapter 2. My, what a blessing you have been to my heart. Praise the Lord for you. Trust that the message this morning will be a help to you tonight. Um, unless the Lord lets me get out of it, I'll be bringing the message that hurts me the most to bring. And I've got to tell you what it is. You'll find out tonight if you come back. But uh, this is one I don't like preaching, and mainly because it hurts me a lot to preach it. It takes an awful lot out of me. But anyway, let me encourage you to be back this evening. In 1 Corinthians chapter 2, beginning in verse 1, And I, brethren, when I came to you, came not with excellency of speech or of wisdom, declaring unto you the testimony of God. For I determined not to know anything among you, save Jesus Christ and Him crucified. And I was with you in weakness and in fear, and in much trembling. And my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power, that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Howbeit we speak wisdom among them that are perfect, yet not the wisdom of this world, nor of the princes of this world that come to naught. But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, even the hidden wisdom, which God ordained before the world unto our glory which none of the princes of this world knew. For had they known it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. I want to preach a message that I've entitled this morning, If I'd Only Known. Let's pray. Father, we come to you in the name of the Lord Jesus, and I beg you again this morning for the filling of the Holy Ghost of God, that as I preach, your word would go forth in power. Please, Lord, speak to hearts. If there's any without Christ... Convict of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment. Turn their hearts to you today, I pray. And Lord, for believers, I pray you'd challenge their hearts and their walk with you. Where there's sin in lives, may they get it right. You have your way in every heart and life, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. One day, reading through 1 Corinthians chapter 2, I got to verse 8. And it's like the verse just neon lights came on, and it just stood out to me, which none of the princes of this world knew. For had they known it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. And I thought, well, that's interesting. But then I thought, had they known what? To find out, you go back to verse 7. He says, but we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery even the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the world unto our glory. So what he's saying is, had they known the wisdom of God, they would not have crucified the Lord Jesus Christ. Now they had the wisdom of man, but the wisdom of man is always so ignorant of the wisdom of God. For instance, the wisdom of man saw that Jesus was born in a stable, but couldn't see that he was the king of the palaces of heaven. The wisdom of man saw that he was so poor he had no place to lay his head, but couldn't see that he owned the cattle on a thousand hills. The wisdom of man saw that he had no armies on earth to follow him, but couldn't see that he had twelve legions of angels at his beck and call. The wisdom of man saw him take the robe of a servant and wash the feet of the disciples, and couldn't understand that his slightest wish was the greatest command of the angels of heaven. 
the wisdom of man and the wisdom of God. The wisdom of man only sees the shame and disgrace of the cross, but the wisdom of God sees beyond that to the risen, glorified Lord sitting at the right hand of the Father. The wisdom of God sees beyond the cross to the pearly white city and that spotless bride on display. The wisdom of man and the wisdom of God. The wisdom of man sees him nailed to the cross, defeated. But the wisdom of God sees him dying for you to have life. The wisdom of man sees his blood flowing to end his life. But the wisdom of God sees his blood flowing to give us life. The wisdom of man sees his body slumped in death. But the wisdom of God sees our sin debt fully paid. What a difference between the wisdom of man and the wisdom of God. The wisdom of man sees him buried. But the wisdom of God sees him rising from the dead three days later and sees an empty tomb. You see, the Jews wanted the Christ to come to Jerusalem and to free them from the bondage of Rome. And they didn't understand that first they needed the Christ to come and die for their sins to free them from the bondage of sin. Had there been no cross, there could be no grace. Had there been no shame, there could be no glory. Had there been no agony, there could be no joy. Had there been no death, there could be no life. Had there been no wounds, there could be no healings. Had there been no jeerings, there could be no hallelujahs. And the scripture says, had they only known. But that brings another question. And the other question is this, why didn't they know? I mean, they had the word of God. After all, the wise men who came from the earth, there's, or from the east, there's no doubt that they had at least the first five books of the Bible, and they also had the book of Daniel, for Daniel had been of their number a couple of hundred years before. And so why didn't they know? I mean, these wise men, why did they come? They had the timing of when the king of the Jews would come from Daniel chapter 9. They knew from the book of Numbers that his star would appear. And they knew when that star should appear, so they knew, and they came to worship the king of the Jews. Not only that, Anna and Simeon at the temple, when they saw the baby Jesus being brought to the temple by Mary, they knew that that was a Savior that God had promised. So why didn't they know? John the Baptist pointed him out publicly when he began his public ministry, when he said, Behold the Lamb of God which taketh away the sin of the world. But remember, even some of Jesus' disciples doubted it. On the day of the resurrection, on the road to Emmaus, Jesus came across two of his disciples. They didn't recognize him. Even though they had heard that the tomb was empty, they were still downcast. Jesus asked them why. And they said, but we trusted that it should have been he that redeemed Israel. And beside all this, today is the third day since these things were done. And Jesus answered them in Luke chapter 24 and verse 25. Oh, fools and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Ought not Christ to have suffered these things and entered into his glory? And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded unto them all the scriptures, the things concerning himself. The truth is, they didn't know because they refused to know. They didn't know because they rejected the wisdom of God and they said yes to the wisdom of men. 
But before we condemn them too harshly, the reality is multitudes of people do exactly the same thing today. They reject the wisdom of God over the wisdom of men. If I'd only known. I thought of three different groups of people who will be crying. If I only had known. First of all, no doubt people in hell would cry out if I'd only known. Some will probably cry out if I'd only known that hell would be like this. I would have gotten saved. But why didn't they know? They had the word of God. As a matter of fact, Jesus Christ himself spoke more about hell than any other person in the Bible. And he spoke more graphically about hell than any other person in the Bible. He said in Matthew 25, 41, Then shall they say unto them on the left hand, Depart from me, ye cursed, into everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. I've had people say to me, Well, preacher, don't you know as hell is right here on this earth? That's a lie. How could you be so dumb to think that hell's on this earth? On this earth, you can go to sleep once in a while. On this earth, you can get a drop of water or something else to drink to cool your tongue. In hell, it's nothing but continual pain. No water, no hope, no help. Some of you know the name Evil Knievel. Evil Knievel was going to jump the Snake River Canyon. Some of you will remember that story. In his rocket-propelled motorcycle. It was a big media frenzy, everything taking place. The media was there, and they asked him this question, what if you don't make it? And his answer was, I guess I'll be in hell drinking a beer, waiting for my buddies. He was only partly right. He'd have been in hell, but he wouldn't have been drinking any beer, and he wouldn't be waiting for his buddies. He'd be screaming for some soul winner to please go by and warn them, lest they also come to this place of torment. Oh, many cry out in hell if I'd only known. I think some cry out in hell if I'd only known the salvation was just in trusting Jesus, I would have gotten saved. So many think it's all about their works, but Ephesians 2, 8, and 9 is clear. For by grace are you saved through faith, and not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, as any man should boast. Jesus said in John chapter 14 and verse 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. The promise is clear in John 1, 12, But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. I believe probably many in hell cry out something like this, If I'd only known I didn't have another day, I would have gotten saved. I say, preacher, they got you there. Nobody knows when they're going to die. I know, but God warned us about that. The wisdom of God said in Proverbs 27, 1, Boast not thyself of tomorrow, for thou knowest not what a day may bring forth. In Proverbs 29 and verse 1, the Bible warns, He that being often reproved, hardeneth his neck, shall suddenly be destroyed, and that without remedy. That's why the Bible says in Second uh, Corinthians chapter six and verse two, "Behold, now is the accepted time; now is the day of salvation." Yes, multitudes of people in hell cry out, "If I'd only known!" But you see, they said yes to the wisdom of man over the wisdom of God, and that's why they're there. There's a second group of people I think of, and that's those people who contemplate sin. Christians who contemplate sin and never get a thought, never give a thought to the terrible effects. Let me tell you something. King David didn't even get away with it. You remember King David at a time when kings went forth to battle. Here he was king. He stayed in the palace. The palace wasn't necessarily a bad place to be. But you see, he was king. 
It was a time when kings went forth to battle. It's where his army men went. By the way, one of his mighty men by the name of Uriah the Hittite, he was in the battle. And he walked out of his palace on the patio and he looked down over the city and he saw Bathsheba bathing on a rooftop. And he lusted. Every time I read that story, I think, David, get inside. Call your servants. Tell them to get the chariot together and get out to the battle where you belong. But he didn't do it. King David, that man who had been a man after God's own heart, ends up committing a terrible sin of immorality. And then he connived to have her husband murdered. He didn't get away with it. Because you remember the scripture says he caused the enemies of God to blaspheme. It brought about the death of the baby. It brought about the rape of one of his daughters to one of his sons. It brought about the death of one of his sons by another son. It brought about the rebellion of Absalom. It brought about Absalom openly shaming David with his wives. It brought about Absalom running him off the throne of Israel. And then that terrible news when Absalom was killed in the battle by Joab, word got back to David, and there's David crying, Oh, Absalom, my son, my son, would to God I died for thee. And every time I read it, I think, David, you didn't have to die for that boy. All you had to do was keep Bathsheba out of your bedroom, and he'd still be alive. Be not deceived, God is not mocked. Whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. Some of you may know the name, Dr. R.G. Lee. Man, what a preacher. He was your original southern gentleman, I'll tell you what. He pastored the Bellevue Baptist Church in Memphis, Tennessee. I heard him preach the message payday someday that I believe was the 1212th time for him to preach that single message. He had a number of famous messages. He could paint pictures with words. And he had a man in his church who thought it was all right to drink alcohol once in a while as long as you did it moderately. Now he was, uh, Dr. Lee was a total abstainer. As a matter of fact, he preached for a friend of mine. This is many years ago now. He preached for a friend of mine. And uh, while he was preaching, right in the middle of his message, he stopped he looked down on this side, about the third row, right about where you folks are at. And he said, I hate liquor. Now for you Yankees, that's liquor, alcohol. I hate liquor. I hate liquor. He said, if I had one hair on my head that I thought wanted a drink of liquor even as bad as I need hair, I'd pluck it out and I'd stomp it. I hate liquor. And then he went on and preached the rest of his message. When he got done, the preacher went up to him and said, Dr. Lee, what on earth got you going on liquor? He said, while I was preaching, he said, I looked down, there was a man there in the third row licking his lips like he might want a drink of liquor, and I wanted him to know whose side I was on. <laughs> Amen. Well, Dr. Lee had that man in his church that thought it was all right. Matter of fact, he even told Dr. Lee, he says, I keep, a, I keep a bottle of alcohol right up there in the cupboard just for special occasions, and we never drink too much. And Dr. Lee said, well, I, I believe you're wrong. Well, that family, they had a little girl. Years went by, and she was graduating from high school. 
It was a special day. Mom and dad were so proud of her graduation time. And uh, when the services got all over, their little girl came up to him and said, Daddy, you know, uh, my friends, we've been together all through high school and we're going to be separated now, going to different schools. Uh, we'd like to just spend a few hours together. That'd be all right. And have the car and just drive around the uh, city a little bit, enjoy one another's company. He said, Hun, that'll be fine. He said, but you need to be back by about 11, 12 o'clock. She said, okay, Daddy, and she left. Well, he and his wife went home. They went to bed. About 2 o'clock in the morning, there was a knock on the door. It was a Tennessee State Trooper. When they came down and opened the door, they said, yes. He said, uh, are you so-and-so, uh, mentioned his name. He said, yeah, that's us. Do you have a daughter named? He said, yes, yes, that's, that's our daughter. He said, I hate to tell you this, but your daughter and her friends evidently were in a car accident tonight, and all three of them have been killed, and they'd been drinking. Oh, he was crushed, obviously, and his wife was crushed, and they wept, and they cried, and they hugged one another, crying over their great loss, and finally he began to think about it. Where on earth did they get alcohol? Where could they have gotten that? And then he got angry. He said, Mother, I, if I could just get a hold of the person that gave them alcohol, I'd, I'd kill him. And the policeman waited there until that trooper waited until they calmed down a little bit. And then he left. And the man told his wife, you go on up to bed. I, 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 I've got I've to settle down. And he went into the kitchen to get a drink of that alcohol. He kept up in the cupboard. When he opened it up, he reached up there. And he pulled down not that bottle of alcohol. He pulled down a note. Dear Daddy. I know this is a special night, and you know that too. I knew you'd understand. Be not deceived. God is not mocked. That shall he also reap. He is so to the flesh, so of the flesh reap corruption. You can count on it. Listen, Christians that contemplate sin don't realize its awesome effects. Hey, the landscape is strewn with broken Christian homes. Because they've gotten on the internet at 2 o'clock in the morning, gotten into sites they had no business being, and it's not going to hurt us. Nobody else is going to know. Be not deceived. God is not mocked. Whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. All oh, the pastors that have lost their ministries and lost their families, the deacons that have lost their ministries and lost their families because they thought, hey, it's just at my house. What does it matter? If there's a God in heaven, it matters. Multitudes in hell crying out if I'd only known. Multitudes on earth contemplating sin without realizing its terrible effects. I believe there's a third group, and that'll be the group at the judgment seat of Christ. I spoke about that in Sunday school. I want you to think about it. The wisdom of man, the wisdom of God. The wisdom of man says take care of yourself. The wisdom of God says deny yourself. The wisdom of man says you've got to feed your family first. The wisdom of God says, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. The wisdom of man says, Don't be a fanatic. Wisdom of God says, I'd rather you were cold or hot. And because you're neither cold nor hot, I will spew you out of my mouth. The wisdom of man says, Don't turn people off by witnessing. The wisdom of God says, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. 
I've heard people say, well, I would, but you got to understand, preacher, I, I, I don't want to turn them off. I don't want to run them off. Now, wait a second. Where are they going to go to? Hell 2, hell 3, hell 4? If they're already lost, they need to be witnessed to. Wisdom of man says what's missing one service. The wisdom of God says is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. The wisdom of man says you've got to have some fun. Wisdom of God says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. When I pastored in Tennessee Ridge, Tennessee, my first church out of Bible college, we had a wonderful guy in the church by the name of Gerald. Gerald was a carpenter. But Gerald was one of those good old boys that, you know, he was a member of the church, wife, two kids, but he just couldn't get faithful. Well, the time came along, he was working someplace and, uh, around Tennessee Ridge, and he got his finger in the table saw and just about cut it all off. It was hanging there just by a piece of skin. And so they took him to the hospital. They sewed the finger back on. They gave him a shot for, uh, you know, any infection that might come up. They gave him a shot for shock. And then they sent him home. His wife got him to the house. And as he was walking up toward the house, he began to notice a real funny feeling. His tongue began to swell in his mouth. He was having some kind of allergic reaction. And it swelled so much in his mouth he couldn't breathe. He tried to stick his finger in like that just to get a little place where he could get some air. He was starting to turn a little blue and his wife and daughter helped him get back into the car and she drove as fast as she could the three miles to Trinity Hospital there in Aaron, Tennessee. When they got him inside the emergency room, the doctor noticed immediately what was taking place, was able to give him a shot before he would die and everything worked out fine. Doctor said to his wife, if you'd been five minutes later, your husband would have been a dead man. When I went over to see Gerald, see how he was getting along, he said, Preacher, I always wondered what it would be like when it came time to die. He said, I wondered if, if I had the, my life would pass before my eyes. He said, or oh, I wondered if maybe I'd think about my wife and my two precious daughters. He said, Preacher, I didn't think about any of that. He said, all I can think about is how unfaithful I've been to Jesus. Yeah, multitudes on earth, when they stand at the judgment seat of Christ, I'm sure many will say, oh, if I'd only known. Looking into those precious eyes, seeing the one who died for them, seeing the one who saved them by his mercy and grace, they won't cry out, oh, Lord, if I'd only known, I'd have been more faithful to you. Yes, multitudes in hell cry out, and they still cry out today. Multitudes on earth that contemplated sin never thought about the terrible ramifications it would have on their families and on their lives. Cry out, oh, if I'd only known. And at the judgment seat of Christ, multitudes of believers will be crying out, if I'd only known. Let's bow our heads for a word of prayer.